the free for all roundtable round two on round two today let's say good morning to michelle morrow she's a people's voice award winner and a music teacher deb hutton is here former advisor to two premiers and bob richardson is a news talk 1010 contributor senior counsel at national public relations uh let's just quickly i don't want to go through all the names or anything but i just find it's a day of significance one by one all of the people who want to be mayor of toronto will troop through the clerk's office today file the paperwork leave 200 bucks and uh, deb at the moment um it's seems like everybody's running and then a handful of us will will vote. Well, I'm, I'm actually interested to see who does troop through here today, because um, I don't know if Olivia Chow will. We've not we've we've heard she's toying with it, but we haven't heard that she has a slot booked to uh, go and file her papers. And the other one that uh, intrigues me is Mitzi Hunter, because she has not stepped down as an MPP. And that's something you have to do. So it is kind of an interesting day. I will say on the two hundred dollars, John, I think that's one of the reforms that we desperately need, because this is a serious job. It's it's a big city and the notion that you just need a handful of signatures and 200 bucks to actually throw your hat in the ring I think is uh, a little bit ridiculous well and with the number of people running Bob Richardson if we charge them all 10,000 bucks we could pay some things off exactly we could fill a heck of a lot of potholes with that amount of money but no I look I agree with Deb on this I think the bar to entry needs to be higher um, we do get a lot of kind of free candidates uh, in the in the race and the ballot gets very very long I'm not sure that's helpful to anybody um, this will be uh, an interesting election uh, but the key thing will be turnout and um, there's I think it's going to be very difficult to get people out to the polls in uh, in June uh, I, I suspect we'll probably see a, a fairly low turnout number yeah I do worry about that Michelle Morrow and then we end up with a mayor who got this you know actually drew the votes of once you get into the full-on population about two percent. I know it's kind of sad when you do the actual breakdown of how many people voted and then on top of that, how many people voted for the winning candidate. But I I am excited that there's lots of people in there. I lots of choice it may split the vote. Who knows? But I always I have to say I have respect for people who are willing to take on what is seems to me as an outsider, a horrible job. There seems to be no way that you can win <laughs> as mayor. You have no even though they have stronghold powers right now. I still don't. I feel like the mayor doesn't really represent what I thought a mayor was when I was growing up. So I have to give respect for people for putting themselves out there. And they're going to be taken to task by quite a few people. And you have to. That's the downside of running. You have to be ready to defend yourself. OK. And speaking of campaigns, Bob Richardson and Deb Hutton, both of you have been very closely associated, if not the chief runners of various campaigns and Ontario's election watchdog is pitching the idea of a blackout on opinion polls. Currently, if an opinion poll comes out on election day, I can't mention it on, on the show, but I can talk about polls right up until the end of the day before. Uh, the watchdog wants a wider margin. Uh, Bob Richardson, is this a good idea? Well, first of all, they're saying a two-week blackout. That's ridiculous. Our, our election period is only 37 days, so uh, that's excessive. Uh, on elections Ontario is a bit like one of those uh, old 70s sort of uh, station wagons with the paneling on it. It needs to modernize itself. It needs to focus on getting more people to the polls. We need to have 
greater access to voting. Those should be the things that it's uh, focusing on, not necessarily public opinion polling. I think a four or five day ban at the end is not a bad idea. 14 days is utterly ridiculous. Although, Deb, to use a model that's not Canadian, but in the States, if they had withheld polling for a couple of weeks, Hillary Clinton probably would have been elected. A lot of people stayed home because nobody thought Trump could win anyway. Yeah, but John, I mean, we have to treat voters like adults, whether we deserve it or not. So I actually think this is ridiculous. I I could be swayed by Bob's argument, maybe a a couple of extra days as opposed to just voting day. There is so much that we could be talking about in the way of reform. I mean, I I just mentioned the the entry fee for the mayor of Toronto at $200 is ridiculous. I think it's time at the municipal level only to talk about term limits, quite frankly. Uh, But I think, you know, polling focus on that. I mean, quite frankly, the polling industry has changed so much and its credibility has been at question quite a bit. And there are so many other ways that you can convince people through the media that your candidate's the leading candidate or this candidate has no hope or whatever the case might be, that focusing on polling just seems to me to be ridiculous. Although Michelle Morrow, I think in this particular election, the municipal election, I've, you know, stuck by the talking point that there are a lot of very significant people who are running. It's not going to be like the last election. So people may look at polling before they go into the booth and think, okay, well, my first choice is unwinnable, so I'm going to throw my support somewhere else. And that could end up perverting the whole process. I'm actually, um, I'm, I totally disagree. I hate polling. I feel like it throws everything off. And people who might be on the fence about voting, if they hear that their candidate is going to win, they're, they might not go to vote. Um, I I could see maybe two weeks is too long in this time frame. I'm trying to think how long the last ele- municipal election was, so maybe it could, maybe the date could Forever. be variable. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Oh in the states, it's like two years for them. I couldn't live with that. But back to the point. I think that polling can definitely throw people off. There's always going to be people who are going to vote no matter what. There's going to be people who are on the fence, and I worry that hearing polling that supports their decision will stop them from voting. Uh, let's move to uh, Aquasasne, where eight people have died, possibly nine. We don't know for sure, but Deb Hutton, eight of them, including two children, were migrants trying to go from Canada to the United States, and they ended up drowning. Uh, activists are saying that Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden should have known this was going to happen when they changed the rules a week ago. When they Well, so let's be clear. They didn't really change the rules. They clarified the rules, in my view. And I'm going to sound like a complete hard ass on this. But if you are trying to do something illegal, which we have to assume is the case here, trying to cross into another country across an international border illegally, then there are consequences to that. And I'm not suggesting that the consequences should be death by any stretch. But these individuals were not playing by the rules. Michelle Morrow, it is an interesting file because I was listening to a conversation with the head of an organization that advocates for refugees, and it's kind of like the people who say that uh, the homeless should be. There's a civil right to live in a park. Um, This guy says anybody should be able to cross any border and declare um, their status, uh, refugee status, and just stay, and that's an untenable situation. I agree. We talk about how our some of our uh, support systems, like the healthcare system, is flailing at this moment. Our housing, we are in a bit of a housing crisis, and I'm really glad Dem went first because she's much more eloquent than I am, and I agree 100 percent with what she said. It it sounds like a very hard excuse me. It sounds like a very hard position to take, and I agree. Death is not is not an equal punishment for what they were trying to do. They should not have died. That is a horrible thing for that family to be going through. But they were doing something illegal, and we may not have the support system in place for them when they arise. Bob Richardson, Deb, described herself as hard-ass. Are you equally hard-ass? 
Uh, you know what? Um, I, I'm with Dev on this one. I, I agree. And look, there has been uh, a legal transportation of people and a legal transportation of goods in that area for as, at least the last 30 to 40 years. So to suggest that the present political occupants on both sides of the border are responsible for this is nuts. Um, this has been going on for decades uh, in that part of the world. I'm sorry that this particular thing happened, but again, people are breaking the law. Is there any sympathy for a Quebec mother who went off to Syria, married an ISIS soldier, now dead? Uh, she's still alive, though, and she's putting her six kids on a plane to Quebec today, but she can't get into Canada because she can't pass the security clearance. Um, Deb Hutton, back to you. Hard ass about this one, too. Oh, I think we all know the answer to this, guys. <laughs> you know, I, I say to my kids on a daily basis, there are consequences to your actions and your decisions. And I say this to the mom. And quite frankly, I think it is, uh, I, I have no doubt, a difficult decision uh, to send your kids off. But she's probably making the best decision for them if the camp that they've been in is as terrible as we hear it is. But if she hasn't passed the security clearance by now, there's probably a reason. And I have no sympathy for her. Tremendous sympathy for those kids who, through no fault of their own, uh, have a parent who may have made some very bad decisions. Maybe two parents, quite frankly. Yeah, Michelle Morrow, they get out of a refugee camp, but they're going to end up landing in foster care. Yeah, and there may be some. There are definitely some horrible stories about foster care, but I I like to believe that wherever they land here in Canada will be better than where they are living right now. And I agree. Uh, if she's not passing security clearance, then we can't take her back into the country. And I'm actually really impressed that she's made the decision to send them for all the bad decisions in her life that she may or may not have made. In her opinion, this is probably the best one that she can make because there's other stories of mothers who will not surrender their children to get them out of these camps. And I am really impressed that she felt it within herself that it was better to get the kids out. Yeah, Bob Richardson, it's not exactly Sophie's choice because the kids are going to live, but this mother is going to continue to live in a refugee camp in Syria, and she's sending her kids to live in Quebec and go to school and maybe do sports and actually have a bed to sleep in at night. I, th I think it is good for the kids, and I'm delighted to hear that uh, for, for the kids, but this is officially hard-ass day. I have very little uh, uh, time uh, for for people who were, were doing what they were doing and being involved in the activities that were going on over there, and uh, I, I don't think it's incumbent on the government to uh, be bending over backwards to facilitate her re-entry. Um, if she is eligible to uh, get in the country again, great. If she's followed all the procedures, if she passes, uh, uh, you know, the qualifi uh, qualifications to get in, great. If not, sorry, don't want you. We should have a new segment on our show just called Hard Ass. Now, here's Deb Hutton. <laughs> So, uh, Deb, actually, again, I'll start with you on this one because you have relevant experience. Niagara Falls has been named Canada's biggest tourist trap. It's number seven on a list of international tourist traps. I kind of quibble with the, the phrase tourist trap, for one thing, and I would offer, I don't think anybody goes to Niagara Falls and is surprised by what they find. Well, they may not be, but I mean, the only quibble I have is it should be number one on the list. We, as you know, we, we have a, a home not that far from Niagara Falls. Uh, it is disgusting to me that I know my coffee costs this much at Tim Hortons and it costs double when I grab it on Lundy's Lane. Same with everything there and the quality 
everything about Niagara Falls is crap. The only reason you go is to look at the falls. And that is amazing. And I'm glad everyone does that. But the city has been taking advantage. The businesses have been taking advantage of tourists for eons. The amount they tax on top of the normal taxes we all pay here in Ontario, ridiculous. And then they wonder why people can't, don't come back. And then they cry to the province for help. Uh, I, the more we shine a light on this, the better, I hope, we have had a chance to get things a little more measured in the city. I know I'm going to get a call from Jim Diodati now. Uh, Michelle Morrow, <laughs> any illusions about what you're getting yourself into when you go to Niagara Falls, if you do? No, I think you 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 know what you're getting into. It's not. Uh, it's going to be a little bit gaudy. It's going to be a, <laughs> very touristy. And I think you know that going in. It's not as if it's a surprise. And maybe that's the best thing is that you definitely know looking at anything about Niagara Falls, you know what you're stepping into. Folks, thank you all very much. Good to have you this morning. Michelle Morrow, Bob Richardson, and Deb Hutton. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.